Hello, hello, it's Chandra, and welcome back to Sunshine on a Dime, the travel podcast bringing you resources, tips, and stories from my travel experiences to help make your travel dreams a reality. So today I am really excited. I am joined with Jackie Paris, who is a couples and family psychotherapist. She was originally born in South Africa and practices both traditional and modern practices of holistic work, who has also traveled the world extensively. So thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on the show today. I'm really, really looking forward to digging into this topic of mental health abroad with you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so in my own experience, I found that traveling kind of forces you to confront a lot of things that maybe you have this extra time to think or these different decisions that we're making. But when you're abroad, you kind of come into a new set of circumstances that you haven't really been confronted with potentially being at home. And I think that traveling can have a lot of differing effects on mental health. So that's kind of why I want to sit down with you today, Jackie, to kind of discuss all this and give any travelers an idea of what they might expect from traveling or living for longer periods of time abroad. And also maybe give them some tools to add to their toolkit about how to best care for ourselves when we're traveling abroad. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'd like to start out with kind of even before people take that first step and before they even go out on the trip, I'm wondering what you might say to people who have that initial anxiety about taking the first step, even making that commitment to plan a trip or a study abroad experience. You know, I think anxiety is kind of a normal response for a lot of people. Right, because there's a certain trajectory for a lot of folks. Like you finish high school, you go to college, you know, you graduate, you you get partnered, you buy a house, you pay off your student loans, (laughs) right? And so the idea of traveling and going abroad can bring up anxiety for people because they may be stepping outside of what the norm is in some ways, Mm. right? But then people are also going into the unknown, right? You're leaving your family, you're leaving your community, you're leaving your friends. So that can be anxiety producing for people. So I think a lot of people experience some anxiety and that that's quite natural, right? The thing is, if you let your anxiety stop you, uh, then you won't take any actions with regards to planning out your travel and going traveling, which will be a real shame. So in my opinion, one of the first steps to overcoming anxiety is recognizing that you've got a little bit of anxiety about traveling right but it's not the end of the world it's just a little bit of anxiety it's normal Mm. and you don't have to pay too much attention to it right but to push through that anxiety and to still go for what you want okay so you kind of yeah using your anxiety to kind of help propel you but it's i guess that is true it's important to realize that it is there and that that is normal and that is supernatural to have anxiety before coming into a trip Right. I also think, um, Shonda, one thing that's really helpful is to research where you want to travel, you know, uh, areas of interest, countries of interest, and then to be proactive and to research around safety and things just before you go, right? And I think that that can help lower. So I think if you're interested in a particular country or continent, you know, researching the continents and the countries may be very helpful. And specifically looking at safety, like how safe is it to travel there um, and coming up with a plan. And I think the more 
that one is proactive with regards to planning, it can really help lower and reduce your anxiety. Yeah, that's really, really true. And I think that something that I think gets in a lot of people's head is the things that they're not able to plan for. Because with traveling comes a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things that yeah you're not able to kind of plan ahead. So what would you say for prepping potentially or switching your mindset around for the uncertainty that will inevitably come with travel? I think it's about a mindset, Chandra, you know, and that a travel mindset really requires an open mind, right? And for you to be flexible, right? I remember being in Africa once and asking someone, oh, how far does it take to walk to the store? And they told me five minutes. Mm-hmm. I walked three hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, because, uh, the concept of time is completely different in Africa than it is in America, for example, mm. right? So five minutes to them is three hours. To oh us. my goodness. Wow. You know, so I think you've got to be flexible, right? Like things aren't going to go the way that you're going to expect them to go because you're in a different country with a different culture and they may not be, you know, as developed as what things are in the United States of America, for example. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, I love what you were saying about kind of developing a mindset to come into an extended period of time abroad. I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate on what you think maybe is a good mindset to coming into a big trip. I think the most important thing is to have an open mind um, and to be open to different possibilities and to be flexible. So if you've got a definite plan, right uh that plan may not work out as you've planned like for example uh you i was once in the amazon jungle waiting for a ferry well a ferry didn't come for three days <laughs> so I was in this little village in the middle of nowhere for like three days oh my right gosh. i could have huffed and puffed and gotten all mad and upset but what good would that have done me mm. right so instead i went out and totally explored this little village in the middle of nowhere and i had a great time So I think it's about, you know, being open and being flexible to change. And I think that being open and being flexible also helps uh, produce resiliency, right? Because you're not rigidly attached to this idea of exactly how things should play out, right? And in that way, you can be open to a whole array of experiences that you might not have had if you were just at home. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Everyone on the podcast knows that there's there's been a lot of growth that has happened for me and a lot of other travelers that I've brought on the podcast. Um, yes. That just would not have happened if you had stayed at home. So, yeah, I'm wondering what kind of advantages you see could occur for people um, regarding mental health or growth um, for, you know, when they start traveling. Well, I think it's a great way to separate out from your family and become your own person, right? You're on the road, you're far away from friends and family, and you discover who you are and who you are not. Um, so I think traveling is really good for just coming into your own person. But I also think seeing different countries and seeing different cultures you know, you realize that there are many different ways to do something. <laughs> there's not just one way. Yeah. Right. And there's not just one right way. There may be many different right ways to do something or accomplish something. So I think it really helps expand your mind um, as well as your awareness of different cultures. 
you know, I often think that racism is due to a lack of exposure to people who are culturally diverse, yeah. right? People tend to stay very insular within their own cultural group. And I think it's really important that we get out there and see like, how do other cultures live? What do they eat? How do they dance? What kind of music do they listen to? So I think it expands our growth in terms of who we socialize with, right? And I think in so doing, it also helps us reflect on our own culture, right? Because a fish cannot see the water that it swims in. It's only when you take a fish out of water that it pops around from side to side and goes, whoop, 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 I can't <laughs> breathe, I need water. You know, it's the same with people. It's only when you're out of your environment do you then realize fully the environment that you're in. Wow, yeah. I really love everything that you were just saying about, you know, not even just finding about who you are and who you're not, but also about opening up your worldview. I think that these are a lot of lessons that I've definitely learned on my travels that I hope to keep learning as I keep going because it's it's kind of never ending. I found that the learning process, it just keeps going, which is beautiful. And I'm wondering if that's something you've experienced as someone who has traveled your entire life. Yes, I absolutely love traveling. I traveled a lot in my youth when I was 18, you know, through till about 27. You know, and then I got married and had children, but I took my children traveling and I still love to travel because I find that it pulls me out of my, the mundanity of life, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It opens you up to new experiences and it's a great learning. There's a learning that happens on the road that one can never get from a book. It's that experiential learning. Wow. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. There's been a lot I've read and a lot that I've experienced and I have to say like the experiences I've had have been really really like nothing I could have been able to understand without just going out and seeing it for exactly. myself totally yeah so kind of jumping into a little bit of self-care I think that I would love to learn a little more from you about how people can prioritize self-care while they're traveling because if you're on the move a lot or if you said like you said you're away from your family you're away from all the comforts of your home how can you prioritize you know taking enough time and taking what you need while you're in a completely foreign place mm. well i think it's important that you know what your comforts are um you know i personally travel with some of my comforts I love my tea. I always have tea on me, tea and honey, because mm. not every country has tea, <laughs> for example, right? Um, I always carry a little medical kit, you know, an emergency medical kit with band-aids, you know, something I could take out, a splinter with, stuff for diarrhea, antibacterial ointment, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, but whatever your comforts are, like for me, it's really important that I sleep in darkness. So I have one of those eye patches that can cover my eyes that give me a better sleep. I've got a lovely little travel pillow, uh, which is the perfect travel pillow for me, that I can sleep on any bed or in just about any location. <laughs> I've also got earplugs that are helpful if I'm in a noisy environment and I need to nap. So I think knowing what your needs are and bringing some stuff with you to make it comfortable. But then, for example, like I love 
seeing a lot of things and doing a lot of things. So in one day I could travel to a place and do a major mountain climb for hours and then go out on the town and eat dinner and then maybe go see what the nightlife is. Whereas for a friend of mine, she could only handle say hiking and then she's pooped and doesn't mm -hmm. want to do anything else. So I think just being aware of how much activity and socialization you can tolerate and to kind of plan the trip accordingly. You know, that if you can't do too much in a day, don't overbook your days. Do what you can that feels sustainable to you. You know? So yeah. That seems, it seems like it's definitely a learning curve. You, you mentioned yes. that you have, you know, your friend who has this ability to do these things, you have a different one. How can someone go into a, an experience of traveling if they never have before and kind of figure out their level of activity that feels comfortable for them without kind of stressing out about the comparison game between what they're able to do and what other people are able to do? Well, I think just looking at your history, you know, were you a kid in school that did a bunch of extracurricular activities? Did you like your schedule jam-packed? Or could you only handle one extracurricular or no extracurricular activities? <laughs> you know, so I think just reflecting on who you are, but not to stress because when you're out, you'll figure it out pretty quick. You'll realize, oh, I'm exhausted. I can't do anything else today. Oh yeah. man, I'm bored. I need I need to do something else. Yeah, let's hit the town, or let's go out and do this, or do that. So I think you figure it out on the way. If you don't already know that, you'll learn pretty quick. <laughs> okay, there you go. And I guess it must just be about really listening to your body in those situations where maybe you're doing too much and kind of taking a step back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wanted to kind of segue a little bit into maybe some tips for like our toolbox about calming down in stressful situations. I'm sure you've probably encountered some stressful unplanned situations abroad and some advice that you might have about kind of keeping a cool head and making sure that you're safe and you are making decisions fast. Yeah, well, there's a lot in there, Chandra, you know, staying calm. Um, I think, again, it depends on your mindset, right? I think having an open mind, because things don't always go the way that you hope they will while you're on the road, right? Um, and when we're in somebody else's country, I think it's important that we stay calm as much as possible, <laughs> right? To try and negotiate through situations. And I think if anyone's getting stressed out, you know, you could always take some deep, slow breaths, and use positive self-talk to remind yourself to stay calm, right? Yeah, could um, you elaborate a little more on um, what positive self-talk is? Well, I think that we all speak to ourselves in our minds, right? And a lot of people have a lot of negative self-talk, like, oh, I'm fat, I'm ugly, oh, this, that, I can't do this, I can't do that, right? But we can also have positive self-talk, like, you got this, Jackie, you can handle this situation. Mm. You know, these dudes are stressed, don't stress out, stay calm, be grounded. In other words, you give yourself positive messages in your thoughts and in your mind that can help you stay calm. And I'm also wondering, in terms, we were talking a little bit before about kind of different comparisons that you may have with people of different 
lifestyles and different like levels of energy and I think that something that a lot of people get kind of stuck in either at home noticing other people abroad or even abroad with other people is how people are like portraying their travels on social media and how to avoid maybe that comparison of kind of taking into account that your trip is your experience and allowing space for other people to document their own trips in the way that they feel is right. Right. I mean, that's the challenge of social media, right? Across everything, not just traveling. Right. A, a lot of people look and, you know, are comparing. And I don't think that's good for anyone's mental health. Right. In fact, those comparisons studies have shown um, is actually one of the lead causes um, for people to lose their self-esteem, especially in middle school, <laughs> mm. is overexposure and comparison, comparing on social media sites. So I would just strongly discourage anyone from comparing your journey to someone else's because it's all unique. Right. That's something right? that's really, yeah, beautiful about traveling. <laughs> yeah, what you may like, I may not like. And that's okay, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's sometimes a little easier said than done. Do you have any advice for someone that maybe is getting stuck in that world of comparison, either traveling or not traveling and thinking about traveling and looking at all the ways other people maybe are having their dream trips? Get off social media. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I'd love to elaborate a bit more on kind of the comparison game in terms of meeting new people and how to, I think that for a lot of people on their first trip, it's can be almost a little bit jarring to meet so many different and new people and be in a completely new environment. And how do you recommend that maybe people can figure out how to adapt um, to this. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I think a lot of younger people tend to stay in youth hostels or backpackers places. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you may want to consider doing so <laughs> because um, people who go to youth hostels and backpackers places tend to be younger, but they tend to be very open and wanting to meet other people. So at those places, for example, you can often stay in a dorm room where many people sleep in one room, or you might get, you know, just have one other person in your room, or you could get your own room. Uh, but people are looking to meet other people, right? A lot of people that are traveling solo or with a friend are eager to meet other people and everyone's in the same boat. So I think where you choose to stay can really impact how readily you meet people hmm. um, because people are seeking to meet people. Like for example, if you stayed at a fancy hotel, like a five-star hotel, people tend to stay in their own rooms at hotels, right? In other words, you don't share your room with strangers like you might at a hostel or a backpacker's place. Right. Right. Um, when you go out to eat in a five-star hotel, People are sitting at their own tables. Whereas at some of these backpacker places and youth hostels, 
you know, there's a communal table or communal fridge, right? It's more geared towards meeting people. So that, that out of the gate is one way to meet people. Another way is they've got great travel aid books. Like I know when I was younger, there was the Lonely Planet and the Lonely Planet, um, you could get it for all over the world. And you looked up the countries you wanted to go to and it told you which towns you could go to, which places you could stay at, uh, which restaurants were good. Um, this was all for low budget travel. And often you would find that a bunch of kind of tourists or travelers were traveling kind of on the same route, you know, so you meet other travelers. Mm. And most of them want to do something with other people. So that's one way. Another way is to consider what your interests are, you know, and to pursue those. Like, for example, I love dancing. So whenever I travel, I'm often going to clubs or I might go to a dance class, check, check out the local dance scene. But that's a way that I meet people. I'm not going to dance to meet people, but I inevitably land up meeting people because I love to dance. You know, I was just in Ecuador earlier this year and up in the Andes Mountains, I'm like, oh, I really want to hike. And I heard of this hiking group and so I joined them and there were like seven other people and, you know, we started hanging out. So I think pursuing what your interests are when you're abroad is another way where you can meet people. You know, and then also to keep in touch with some people back home who's a positive support for you. Mm. You know, your parents, friends, siblings, cousins, so that you've got a way to be in touch with people. Hey, hey, if you're not doing so already, please give us a follow on Instagram at Sunshine Dime Podcast. And in the bio, you can find our website, blog, and TikTok as well what might be a healthy way to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone when you're abroad doing new things, meeting new people, and how to know when maybe you're stepping too far out of the comfort zone into maybe a zone that is not conducive to your mental health? Well, I think, you know, try push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, by saying yes, maybe do things that you otherwise wouldn't say yes to, obviously within safe means, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might want to try some different things that you've never tried before. I think also finding other travelers that you could do stuff with versus being completely alone, especially as a woman. I mean, I traveled through South America alone when I was 21, for example, and Europe when I was 18. Um, and it was helpful to meet up with other travelers, you know, so you might be staying at a youth hostel and go cruising with someone you meet at the youth hostel for a few days, and then you both go your own way. <laughs> and then you're at the next place and you might meet someone else. So I think finding people to do stuff with. Um, but I think it's also important to be aware of safety um, because you could get invited to places or to go some, you know, go with some people where it may not always be safe. So you've got to use judgment to see where you are physically mm -hmm. in your environment, but also to keep in, in mind the country that you're in because different countries um, 
have different cultures and the different cultures may orientate to, to different topics differently, if I can put it that way. Right. No, that makes sense. So you've mentioned a lot about finding someone, meeting someone randomly, finding a travel buddy. And this is something that I definitely have experience with. And a lot of people kind of wonder, we we make it almost sound easy, that it's so easy to meet people and find connection and travel with other people. But what are some tips for kind of overcoming that social anxiety that might linger about working up the courage to go up and talk to new people if this is something that's new? I think if you've got negative uh, thoughts in your head that are inhibiting you saying, oh, you look funny or don't speak, to be aware of those thoughts and to stop them and to replace them with positive thoughts to give you a little boost to actually get out there and meet new people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you would say just, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who was, would tell you that they're too nervous to go up and talk to someone new at a hostel? Uh, then maybe they could sit in the public area and at least be open to people talking to them. Mm. And if they don't want to go up and initiate, they can at least keep their eyes up off the ground and being open to making eye contact with someone um, because somebody may initiate contact with you. That's good advice. And for my experience, at least, once once that initial bubble has been kind of popped, then you realize, like you said, everyone's really just looking to meet other people and travel and... Yeah. All right, so another question I had was actually about when you're out in the world traveling and maybe you're plagued with some loneliness or some homesickness. I'm wondering how missing friends and family back home can maybe have an effect on mental health and some some tips for how to deal with that. Some people can get really homesick and really miss their family and friends. So I think it's important to try staying in contact with people. You know, so some people set up regular phone contact or regular letters that they write or Skype calls or WhatsApp calls, video calls. Nowadays, it's so easy to be in touch with our cellular devices. I remember when I traveled when I was 21, there was no cell phone, there was no internet. In fact, the only way you could make contact was by letters, right? Wow. Or, or finding a public phone where you could go and call people. So, you know, the ways you can contact people nowadays, I think, can really help bridge and offset homesickness. And then I think also being open to meeting people and getting connected with people that you're around so that you've got companionship can help offset that loneliness. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to also jump off that a little bit to ask about maybe trying to find a support system while you're maybe so geographically far from your support system at home and how someone might go about trying to find a system, a physical one while they're out abroad. Yeah, well, it depends what you're into. You know, I think if you've got a spiritual practice, often looking for your spiritual group, you know, um, that maybe abroad is a way to get connected into a community and also possibly through your hobbies. You know, if you look at what you're into in a particular area, um, can you meet other people, like-minded people, um, so that you get connected with people that you have stuff in common with? Mm. Yeah, do you have any tips for how to connect with people in like with similar groups while abroad? 
or any experience that you've had with that? Um, yeah, I just Google the stuff that I'm into. Hmm. You know, like I, I'm personally into sacred dance, ecstatic dance, you know, so I'll Google it and then see is there any of that happening in the place that I am. And if there is, then I go to the event and I usually meet a bunch of people who are into the same thing as me. Hmm. Right? And then you get connected, right? They invite you out or you make plans to see them. Yeah, no, I love that. I feel like once you start traveling and you make the one connection, then everything just kind of blossoms. So yeah. it's really just about yeah. getting started. <laughs> yes. And looking and, you know, getting a little outside of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, no, that's definitely something we touched on earlier, the comfort zone. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, let's say you're traveling and you're really enjoying yourself, but you kind of start to notice that maybe some unhealthy thought patterns are coming up while you're traveling. How do you identify these thought patterns? Well, first of all, you've got to notice your thoughts, right? You actually got to pay attention to what you're thinking, which I don't think a lot of people actually do. You know, most people have an automatic thought pattern that just runs in their mind that they're not even aware of. I think it's more people that have studied some or practiced some meditation or some Eastern practices that actually become aware of what's in their mind. But if you happen to become aware of thinking a lot of negative thoughts, it's good to recognize that, right? And if you can observe your thoughts and see that they're just negative thoughts versus really believing them, it might create some space between you and that thought, mm. right? Because you could then choose to see, is that thought true? Is it real? Right. Is there evidence to support that negative thought? What evidence do you have to support that negative thought? It could even be helpful to write it down. You know, what's my thought? What, what evidence do I have to prove that this thought is correct? And when people are thinking negative thoughts, often there is no legitimate ev evidence. There's supposed evidence, but not actual any factual evidence. And so writing out the negative thought, writing out what evidence, concrete evidence you may have to support the thought can be a way to challenge those negative thoughts where you see, wow, man, there's actual no evidence for this. This is a bullshit thought. <laughs> hmm. right? And then you want to hit the delete button on those thoughts, right? And ideally replace them with opposite thoughts, right? Positive thoughts. Right. I like what you were mentioning about writing stuff down. I see a lot of travelers or people abroad who are always traveling with a journal or a notebook of sorts. Is that something that you would recommend maybe bringing something to write or some tips oh, you have? I would highly recommend that, yeah. You know, journaling where you've been, what your experience is, you know, journaling thoughts and feelings. I think it's a great way to kind of keep you grounded. You know, and then it's also a wonderful memoir. Mm. You know, like now I'm 57 and I went back to my book from when I was 21 and traveled through South America. Right, and I got to see all these little places that I traveled that I, I actually wouldn't remember their names at this point. You know, people that I met, how I felt, little pictures that I drew. And it's, you know, it just warms my heart to come back to that stuff. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I've kept journals throughout all my travels and every time I look back on them, it's, you see really how much you've grown from the yes. writing that you've done. 
So I really uh-huh. love that piece of advice. Yeah, that's a good point, Chandra. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going off of like journaling or anything else, do you have any other like tips or practices that you would recommend while traveling to maintain a positive mental health? Um, not other than what I already mentioned in terms of keeping some of your practices that usually keep you mentally healthy at home. Right. You know, like you've got a meditation practice or a yoga practice or you go running or you're active in a certain way. You know, even though those are body activities, they do take care of your mental health, right? Yeah. And also being in community, getting connected with people. Hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. And then I wanted to actually circle back to something that you mentioned earlier about kind of the traveling mindset and coming home with that mindset. And sometimes I've found with myself and with others that I've spoken with that you come back from traveling with a really positive mindset. How do you recommend trying to maintain a mindset that you've kept while traveling back at home? You know, Chandra, I think that's an experience and it's only through the experience that one can discover that Mm. because when you're traveling and you've got an open mind and you're open to meeting people, right? You have a different level of openness or willingness to engage with things that you might not otherwise be open to when you weren't traveling. Right. Right. So keeping that same um, intention of being open to meeting new people, um, or to saying yes to new things in ways that you might not before you traveled. So I think just with that awareness, right? Like once you've had that experience and now you know how to do it, then it's easy to be aware in your current environment to kind of pull down your your boundary, right? That tends to keep you apart Mm -hmm. and to choose to be open to different people and different experiences. So I, I do think it is possible. Yeah. Yeah, but, no. it's, it's, but I, I think it's an acquired skill versus an innate skill. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember you mentioned earlier that this is something that took you a while, but you've, you're at a point now where you kind of, you're, how you act when you're traveling and when you're at home is the same, which is something that I strive to be able to achieve at some point in my life as well. <laughs> Yeah, the challenge with it, though, is you get so many friends. Like, now I have so many friends. I can't keep up with all my friends. (laughs) It's not the worst problem to have. (laughs) Dang. Well, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I just wanted to ask if you had anything else to add today about our topic. I just highly recommend that you get out there and travel. And that if you've got anxiety coming up, you know, know that that's natural, but that you step over anxiety. You don't allow your fear to stop you and to go for it, especially when you're young, before you've got all those adult responsibilities that do kind of somewhat tie you down, right? Yeah. If you have kids or you get a house, not so easy to just up and travel because you've got a lot of expenses that you've got to meet, right? So now's the time and <laughs> it's biggest gift you will ever give yourself. Well, I could not agree more. Thank you so much for coming on today, Jackie. I really, really appreciated speaking with you. Yeah, sure thing. (laughs) All right. Well, have a good rest of your weekend. And for anyone listening, if you are new here, please make sure that you turn on notifications so you don't miss another episode. 
And until next time.